0: Hi, this is Alistair Stewart. This is Brock Wilber. And you're listening to Carrying Into the Void, the podcast where we get together, tell each other about a weird or dark story we've heard, and then try and find the silver lining or flip it into something that, while not possibly positive, will at least be productive. Hey, Brock, how are you? Well, I feel a bit like an exploded toilet. How do you
1: feel? Um, <laughs> to uh, to anyone that didn't catch it this week uh, on uh, on Twitter, uh, there was an image from Oklahoma where a uh, a bolt of lightning shot down and it struck a building. It didn't just strike the building. It went through the small vent uh, at one point from the ceiling into the building and shot straight down from that vent into a toilet and then exploded the toilet. And so it's one of those that you're like... Look, I feel like the toilet, but also I'm glad that a person was not incinerated there. It seems strange to see lightning enter a room through such a small entry point. It, it feels very final destination
0: y that that thing should exist at all. I, I love that you go to Final Destination, and my first thought is wow, Thor is vindictive. <laughs> oh, oh, laugh at the wings of the helmet, will you? Ha! Ha 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 ha! Explode! <laughs> How are things in your world? Alright, actually. Um what has changed since last we spoke? Not a terrible amount, to be honest. Uh continue to go to the gym when we can. And uh I am with with my kind of pop culture analyst type head on, I'm really fascinated by the fact that in the UK, we're actually having this weird kind of multiversal singularity at the moment. Not in any way which means establishment and established rules will change because that's just not something this country does. You want to know how little that's something this country does? The uh, current government lost 500 seats near enough in local council elections. We were told beforehand if they lost 400, then the prime minister, who is a bag of rancid Labrador hair and burger meat, um, would definitely face a leadership challenge from his party. They lost 400, and straight facedly, someone's gone, Well, he's still an asset to what entropy. <laughs> My, the Peter Principle, come the... Anyway. But no, the actual multiversal moment that we're having is really interesting, which is that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness has opened over here. And next week, at last, we get Everything Everywhere All at Once. The mm. um, Michelle Yeoh, Infinite Michelle Yeoh's film. And I'm going to try and see them both next week, because I think there's, there's a really interesting North and South there there's a really interesting opportunity to take a cultural bearing on a fictional concept that is about to explode fully into the mainstream and to do so in a manner which is really interesting and um yeah is presented by one of the most respected actors of their time and also in a manner featuring benedict cumberbatch and i'm very curious about that also i probably shouldn't sh- shouldn't throw shade on him quite so much he's a fae prince and will curse me he's fine he's all right i just the first Doctor Strange was one of those scripts which I saw and I mean I, I like the work of the director and I like the work of the scriptwriter an awful lot and uh, I came out the other side of it and went I love Community but that sounds a lot like Dan Harmon did a lot of passes on the dialogue <laughs> check the script oh Dan Harmon did a lot of passes on the dialogue but I'm going to give it a shot, and you know, I'm I'm interested to see how it works. And like I say, the multiverse as a con- as a concept goes mainstream in the UK this week, and who knows? Perhaps that will mean that this tiny inward-facing jumble sale of an island will perhaps finally go. Perhaps change is good. So that's me. I envy
1: I envy the double feature that you have ahead of you, if only because uh, everything everywhere is maybe in the top 10 best films I've I've ever seen and I'm thrilled that we've seen it in a theater uh where my wife and I cried so much it made the people in front of us move so yes uh, yeah
0: that's yeah, a life was, goal this was
1: not quiet crying uh, and is also one of the funniest things I've ever seen so uh people worry about lining up like a DC movie opposite a Marvel movie or something and, and uh-huh. those two will compete This one was. This one is terribly, terribly unfair to the gigantic Hollywood production.
0: (laughs) Uh, So you do you have a carrying into the void for us this week? Yes, sir, I do, and I have a doozy. Uh oh, and it's actually kind of because of Jordan, which is is really interesting. Those of you joining the show who haven't listened to the stuff before this, I envy you because my God, the episodes you have to catch up on. Um. Co-creator of the show and regular co-host Jordan Shively, who is a fantastic graphic designer and writer and all around thoroughly good human. Uh, and Jordan has been able to put together an offer with, I believe it's it's not 101 Films. We'll, we'll get to 101 Films in another episode. Um, put together an offer with a particular company where um, he got a discount. Basically, he was able to give people who follow him a discount code so that you could get money off DVDs from them. So I decided to get weird with it. So I ordered Future Shock, which is the documentary about 2000 AD, or as I like to call it, old white English comic creators telling on themselves. <laughs> I ordered a documentary called The Last Ambulance, which is about the last ambulance working in a city in Poland. Uh, I ordered a film noir movie called The Big Clock, because any movie called The Big Clock just I've got to spend some time with. And I ordered a thing called Dawson City, Frozen Time. And it's one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. Dawson City uh, was the end of the line in Canada in basically every sense. It was a gold rush town. And as the town developed, and of course, built on native land, which no one had any right to other than the people that lived there. But try telling that to gold rush era white folks. Um, basically, it became the end of a film distribution chain. Whereas a movie was sent out and toured theatres, Dawson City was the place it would, the movie would go last. Oh, like the Sea run theatre, okay. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, no one asked for them back. Ever. So, what you have is this situation where in 19, I think 1978 um, a car park is being dug up and the guy digging up in, in a, a backhoe discovers 533 nitrate film prints all from the early 1900s now this car park used to you actually find out the origin of the space over the course of this movie the car park used to be a swimming pool in the town athletics association which was then sold off and turned into an ice hockey rink because Canada, the ice hockey rink was extremely uneven, so they needed something to level it out. And by this point, the extremely dubious owner of the local movie theatre, who had already burnt 400 prints on the dock a couple of years previously, basically went, do you want our back catalogue? I mean, it's not like we're going to do anything with this fascinating cultural monument, is it? So they used it as landfill, and it was forgotten until... This renovation began. Now, a couple of interesting things about this. This is as early as film gets, which means this film, the actual stock, is literally made of death. Early film stock is constructed from a byproduct of gunpowder. It was, and this is a scientific term, unbelievably combustible. And the fantastic thing about this, in one of those unique small-town ways where kids just do things which... No one notices or decides not to pay any attention to was, a lot of the time, the ice over this area and the dirt was a little uneven. So every now and again, as it would melt, bits of the film stock would stick up. So kids set fire to it. So you literally have fuses coming out of the ground with bored and City youths burning them, little aware of the fact that they are potentially creating an un- a literal underground tire fire of sorts. Uh, and somehow... All these prints basically survived until 1978. And what the director of the movie, Bill Morrison, does is incredibly ambitious. Firstly, he kind of lies, and i if you do watch this, I would encourage reading around it a little bit. The copy I got has an excellent little, book, little booklet with it, with a couple of essays exploring the history of the area and the movie, where Morrison presents this as a unique find and the largest of its sort, and it's not. And uh, he basically massages the facts a little bit. And What Morrison actually does is turn Dawson City into a cross-section of history across about a dozen different ways. There's some incredible stuff about the gold rush in there. There is a very honest exploration of the fact that this this town is built on land it did not belong to. There is a very deep dive into how cities expand and how they grow. And there's also a look at the rise of film. The owner of the eventual Chinese theatre in Los Angeles was an intern, (laughs) at the cinema in Dawson City. This is one of those places which, in the middle of nowhere, a surprising amount of people passed through. It was... It it's just it, it's really really cool. So you have the rise and fall of the gold rush, you have the development of the cinema, the growth of the talkies, and all of this is punctuated in with really carefully curated pieces of the actual film. There's almost no dialogue as well. I think one of the members of Sigur surprise provides the soundtrack.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say one of the members of Sigur rose was the only person to talk in the film. I was like, that's a reversal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny. <laughs> um. But it's all done via title cards. And what Morrison has very cleverly done is put together pieces of the footage that has been salvaged in, manners, in a manner which is thematically appropriate. So something will be talked about, and you'll see four or five examples of it from the movies that were found in the stockpile, and so on. And it just it's kind of haunting. It's a really interesting cross-section of cinematic and Canadian and, to a lesser extent, American history. And it's one of those those moments where you understand the drive behind archivists, because one of the most interesting elements of it is actually how this stuff was fixed and how it was saved. And that's actually kind of the other movie I want to see, because they were able to get this stuff out of the ground and then no one knew what to do with it. So they put it in a cold shed for six months over winter because they figured it's nitrate based film. We probably don't want it to go on fire. Let's do this. And because it's nitrate-based film, no one wanted to transport it because it is literally here. Have this bomb. Yeah. And finally, they got the Air Force to do it. So it was airlifted a good chunk of the way down the country. And there's a really good postscript on the DVD exploring how it was restored uh, and how it's it's been kind of contextualized. But it was one of those. I, I bought it on a lock. I bought it because I had it on. I had it at a discount, and it looked interesting, and I wanted to give it a shot, and it ended up being a really resonant experience. I I got a lot from it. So thanks, Jordan. Good work, Jordan.
1: (laughs) Also, I'm just trying to find a copy of the movie right now, because I'm just like, as soon as we get off the call, I've just got to go be haunted by this on a Saturday morning.
0: I I have links for you. It's like a two-buck rental on Amazon. It's worth your time. Oh, wonderful. Uh, Do you have a carrying into the void to go with this? Yeah, I do. You are buried as are we all, made of combustible, dangerous material that, if left uncared for, will collapse and rot and burn. And far, far too often, that is exactly what happens. Alone in the dark, our history made amber, that amber the prison in which we are required to simply exist. That is never the end of the story. Even at the end of the road, even in the wilderness in which we all stand sometimes, there is never an end to the story. The scars that time has left on you are no longer scars. They are a map of where you have gone and where you will not go again. Your story does not end, locked in that amber, because the amber fades and cracks long before you do. Instead, you absorb and recontextualize all that has been done to you and make it the fuel for what you will do next. You do not burn up. You burn on.
1: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. But now I'm also just living at the end of "Inglorious Bastards in my head, so <laughs> this
0: is great. Oh, I love that bit. How about you? What what, what do you have for us?
1: Uh, this is going to be one of those episodes where we're just like, well, we were apparently on the same page thematically, because uh, yes. you got started. And I was like, oh, shit, is is he doing mine? Uh, no. This is about a fairly recent issue, uh, that, uh, that has popped up. Uh, the issue of, uh, literally poison books. What? Right, so, uh, emerald green, also known as Paris green, Vienna green, or Schweinfurt green, uh, is the product of combining copper acetate with arsenic. Anyway, it produced the very, very green color that was all the rage circa 1860 basically for for the 19th century anytime you see one of those green books that has like gold foil on it it turns out that there's a pretty good chance that that's just pure arsenic uh and there is uh, a group of librarians that in 2019 realized oh shit like these these books are poisoned and we've all got a couple copies in our library one of them was actually uh (laughs) Uh, they were requested to borrow uh, one from another library to put on display, and the book uh, in, in question was called Rustic Adornments for Homes and Tastes from 1857, <laughs> which I find is uh, hilarious. Anyway, they got started on like uh, working on it, and when they got it out of storage, uh, they were like, oh, there is this like weird black waxy excretion across the surface of it. Where does that come from? So they took it to their uh, colleges, like <laughs> science department, where they then like hovered over the scientists and were like, "Right, but stop touching it so much." And the scientist is like, "I'm trying to do a, a spectral analysis," and like, "Right, but like, stop, stop scraping things off of that. That's a piece of art." And like, "Okay, we've got to find a middle ground." Anyway, they looked into it, and uh, and indeed, it is a book that is secreting arsenic. Uh it's not the sort of thing that like you you won't touch it and immediately like have your hand turn black or something, but it is uh for the librarian community actually a pretty big issue because if they wind up handling these uh where there is an estimate that uh most major libraries uh, especially at unis uh have at least four to five books that are probably in this situation, and people don't super know about it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, a lethal dose of arsenic for, uh, an adult is a hundred milligrams, which is like several grains of rice. So it doesn't take that much. So if you're librarians and you're handling these and you're moving them about shelves and so on and so forth, there are chances that, you know, flecks of that are getting off into the air around you or onto your body. Or especially if you're like what this person was set to do, like somebody's putting your book on display, either you or someone else, and then you're sitting down for a day or two to, to sit around just scraping at it and, and then cleaning it up. Then you're, you're actively doing that. So we have poison books that could kill librarians, which is thusly the result of what is now known very straightforwardly as the poison book project. It is out of Delaware and uh, they are working on bringing awareness about this to other people and also uh, providing Handling options, storage options, uh, ways to go without destroying history, but without poisoning yourself uh, with a tome about home adornments. So, like, um, yeah, I, 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 I've read plenty of books that certainly contain poison within their pages. I've never seen it uh, literally manifest, and that it comes from nineteenth-century England and Germany alone feels equally fitting. So, yeah, we have. Uh, any any library you go to probably has a, a physically poisoned book somewhere in it <laughs> and that's just a little needle in a haystack for you and the needle's been dipped in poison <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is that's amazing and and strangely reminds me of the last but one town we we lived in I got a job as a receptionist at the local university. This building was actually a converted TV studio, which meant that literally uh, the old banner for the UK version of The Price is Right was in my boss's office. (laughs) It ended up being an archive for uh, collections of work by authors. And that meant that three or four times a day, sitting at reception, in addition to the guy who would perfectly time the Jedi force push to open the automatic doors and looked so cool every time he did it, you would get people very carefully wheeling sealed boxes of books, wearing cotton gloves and masks and everything past. And this has completely contextualized that for me now, because at the, the time I was like, that's really interesting. It's really good that they're taking so much care of it. And now I'm like, <laughs> they are treating that like an unexploded viral bomb. Good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Two thumbs. There's there's so much you you, you you could do with that. You know, I the, the, there's, there's definitely an Indiana Jones derivative of you know, someone traveling the country carefully going no, wet gloves. <laughs> that doesn't belong in a museum. <laughs> it doesn't. But seriously, it doesn't. And I also really want to see a grindhouse style PSA for it. You know, just that, that full on. Have you have you touched that book? Yes, you have touched death books. Not even once. <laughs> <laughs> Oh how brilliant you shine, you
1: flicker and dance upon the eye, a siren song of hue and cues to come hither. Yet in all your peacocking few recognize that your outward presentation lays bare your true nature and your very intention. Some people... Some people just don't listen. You can be a glorious beacon luring wayward sailors, but perhaps they forgot that a lighthouse is a warning for them to stay away for their own safety. You can exist in all the splendor you desire for yourself, but equally express your boundaries, your will, and your desire to, in many cases, be left alone in your own glow. Those who forget that style and also substance are getting exactly what they asked for when they pull you down when they try to get at what's inside of you. Woe to those fools. They have forgotten the ancient knowledge. Always judge a book by its cover.
0: Damn that's good. Good job,
1: Bob. <laughs> I, love I that. said, damn that damn that's good when I hit save on that one. I was like, you know what? Yeah, pretty, you should I'm, have pretty proud of that one. <laughs> <laughs> cuz it cuz it has the end line that makes it feel like i went looking for a book story I, like i reverse engineered it to get to a clever point and no we we actually we stumbled there by accident
0: <laughs> or by subconscious genius that's what i'm going with
1: <laughs> do you have a self-caring void for us this week
0: yeah it's a weird one um i am watching the mike myers retirement show at the moment because i'm pretty certain it's it's the mike myers retirement show um, those of you who haven't seen So I Married an Axe Murderer, I would heartily recommend <laughs> it. Uh, it it's, its exploration of mental health is very 1993, but uh, it's very sweet-natured and, and it's very funny. And there is this whole sequence where Myers, as playing his own father, because it's him, um, goes off on one about the secret organization of five people who run the world known as the Pentaverate. <laughs> uh, which includes the Queen, the Bilderbergs, and the Colonel before he went tits up. Uh, I apologize for the accent, but it's not like he can do a convincing one either.
1: Anyway. I, I was going to say, who, who are you inf- infringing upon here <laughs> that,
0: uh, Mike Myers has not already? Fast forward about 25 years, and he has successfully sold to Netflix a show about the Pentavira, uh in which a well-meaning Canadian reporter, desperate to get a, for a story that will get him his job back, um investigates them and it's not great brock it's really not very good uh uh, but every now and again maybe once or twice an episode it's actually lovely there is a recurrent thing i'm two episodes in and the first two episodes uh keegan michael key is a guest star and uh, he's recruited into the Pentaveret and he gets to his initiation right and he's faced with a key and a pill and the pill will kill him and the key will unlock the secrets of the Pentaverate to him. He's like, so this this is my choice, right? I die or I join you. And Myers, who, it being Mike Myers, is, of course, playing all five members of the Pentaverate under a variety of prosthetics. As the Russian member goes, duh, you must choose key or peel. Key or peel. At which point, Keegan-Michael Key looks straight down the camera, winks and goes, come on now, and picks up the key. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I fell off my chair. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a flawless joke. Right? There is one of those in episode. The rest of it is lousy. But once an episode, it's just like, no, we're just going to do something you're not going to see coming and is fantastic. So that's kind of my self-care thing. It's every now and again, watch something which is bad because there'll usually be a good thing in it. I, I, I think that sums up this show as a whole,
1: actually. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? uh i'm getting good at uh letting things get busted um dropped my phone last week uh there's a tiny crack in it and it was uh, it, it it sent me on a spiral which is that like for most of my life um i i was raised to think that like you take very good care of things because things have their own the, the things are not not, not a part of who you are as a person and so on and so forth. So to this day, like if a glass in our house breaks and it was one that I had from childhood, like I'll, I'll cry I, because like that piece of me is gone or, uh, I've, I've messed up. Like I have, I have some emotional issues around possessions. Uh, and like, it's the reason I've never worn watches. Cause I'm like watches, nice sunglasses. These are all things I would just scratch and then, and then they'd be ruined. I've gotten much better in the last three or four months at really being like, hey, uh, if that record gets scratched to hell because you've been playing it too much, that's fine. That just means that you loved it very much. Uh, I've gotten, I, for the first time in my life, I've written in the margins of a book. Like, I don't oh, know. Dude, uh, it's amazing. I'm being a little less precious with the world, and I'm finding that not only does it alleviate a lot of darkness inside of me, but also it just makes life easier and happier to live. So I don't know. Uh, maybe don't worry about keeping everything in pristine condition, as uh, is, is maybe the takeaway to uh, to allow things to live their life, too, is is I suppose how I'm seeing is it. like, oh, yeah, it looks like that because it's it's being used and it's not uh, put away on a shelf somewhere to be kept safe until it poisons somebody 100 years from now. So. So good on me but uh yeah that's that's the practical self-care advice I've I've been stumbling towards lately and I'm pretty happy with that.
0: <laughs> you should be firstly absolute full marks for, the, for for the symmetry there. That's beautifully done. And secondly, I'm I'm genuinely really proud of you dude because that's a really hard realization to come to. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean especially folks who grew up around the time that we grew up and especially people who have trauma to deal with, which is everyone because we all have trauma. Um, one of my coping mechanisms for a long time is, great, I will build armor out of DVD cases. I will own all over the books. Um, yes, I will take yep, this comic-, yep. comic standing order with 45 titles, 40 of which, all right, five of which are great. And that's completely valid until it's not, and the realization that it's not, the realization that what these things make you is more important than the possession of them is very much an ongoing process, but it's, it's one that really helps, isn't it?
1: Boy, you just... Uh... You just gave me a whole day of feelings right there. I got some stuff to work through. Holy goddamn. Okay.
0: <laughs> Sorry, dude.
1: Uh, armor of books. Oh, no. Oh, I've got a, I've got a Marie Kondo, my soul. Oh, Jesus. Um... If, if, if it makes
0: you feel any better, for the last week, uh, because we've finally... We had this whole ziggurat of posts to send out, and it was a legitimate ziggurat. It was, like, five feet tall. It was stuff of various people. And that's finally gone... And for about three days, Marguerite was like, this is great. And for the last two or three days, I've seen her looking at the bookshelves in the corner of the living room. The way a boxer looks at an opponent taking an eight count from a neutral corner. <laughs> you know, just just that kind of, yeah, yeah, let's go. You're next. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. like Coming for you. So, you know, it's, it's not going to be just you, dude, I promise. Oh, boy. Um, Do you have any sharing into the Void moment for us this week? Yes, I do. And uh, it is one remarkably close to home. I I wish to speak of none other than our our dear friend Sky Marshal Jordan Shively, who um, is not only a phenomenal podcaster and an amazing graphic designer and writer, but he's also the Overlord of Void merch, which is this just ridiculous collection of collections of T-shirts and notebooks and stickers and all this good stuff. And there are so many that he's curated that it's actually difficult to know which ones to go for first. This is a lie. I know exactly which ones to go for first. Um, he's done stuff for Escape Artists, the podcast company I co-own. He's just released the, a fantastic range of stuff based on Matt Wallace's books. He's just released an even fantasticer range of stuff based on Premi Mohammed's books. On top of all that, um, there's also Caring Into the Void merch. And so, I mean, if you want an actual T-shirt from the actual show you're listening to right now, and I do, I'm actually going to go get one after we're done recording. Now's the perfect time. So, yeah, Jordan, he's amazing. You need to hire him if you need a graphic designer and buy T-shirts and stuff from him because he's awesome. You can check the, uh, the Skype chat where I've just sent
1: you a screenshot of what my sharing into the void was going to be this week void merch from jordan shively god uh, fucking so, damn it uh yeah look 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 upon <laughs> your works ye jordan and, and <laughs> Void. I, well, i'm so I, sorry i think you f- fucking covered it uh <laughs> this is I a, 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 a had when you started talking about jordan at the start of the episode i was like oh he's gonna steal my my sharing thing i was like no it's this other thing jordan does i was like well great And I should have known based on how in sync, in simpatico, you and I were thematically from start to end of episode. This was the only place it could end for us to... uh, Okay, okay. Congrats, Jordan. You've got some friends and or, I don't know, fans out here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Take that. Oh, my God. You've got people that love and respect you. Yeah. Yeah. You take that.
1: Okay. You take us out of here.
0: I can't keep up with this. Thank you so much for listening. If you can, please leave a review and do hit the back catalogue because every episode of this show, as I mentioned at the top, is an absolute gem. We'll have more episodes for you really soon. Uh, Please check Twitter. We're on there. Um, Please follow me on Twitter at Alistair Stewart so we can all survive the hell site together. Although I did see a duck running a marathon there today. That was pretty great. Um, And we will see you next time. Um, Remember, keep your hearts dark and true and your teeth sharp and many. And we will see you next time. In the void.
1: Bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye!
0: Bye-bye!